The scripture reading this morning is taken from the book of Ephesians, chapter two, verses one to ten. The book of Ephesians, chapter two, verses one to ten. And as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work. In those who are disobedient, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, Made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace, expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself; it is the gift of God, not by words, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The sermon title this morning is "Made Alive by His Love" by Reverend Lenita. Thank you, Pastor Vincent. A very warm good morning and welcome to all of you as we come together in this Chinese New Year season to worship. Now, I am sure before the Chinese New Year, you were reminded that we want to seize the opportunity as we meet up with friends and family to sow the seeds of the gospel. Now we often say that, but then if I ask you the question, when we say things like that, what is the gospel? The gospel, we would say that it is the good news. But then, what is the good news? What's 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 the, what's the what's so good about the good news? Right. So we need to sometimes come back and rethink about what is the gospel. What is it all about when we talk about sharing the seeds of the gospel? Now, of course, we know the gospel is the good news that God sent His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for all our sins. But it doesn't stop there. Then what? After His death, He was resurrected, and then He ascended into heaven. It doesn't stop there, does it? With that. We need to continue to say he will come back again one day, and so that's the good news. But what's so good about it? And then when we say we want to sow the seeds of the gospel, the next question we want to ask is who needs to hear the gospel? Answer: the non-Christians, the non-believers. But is that all? Does it mean that you and I, who are Christians, who have accepted Jesus Christ, we don't need the gospel? Very often, that's what we would think. And so today, I want to use Ephesians chapter two to remind us again 
What is the gospel? And then it is not just the non-believers who have not heard the gospel, but in fact you and I. We need to hear the gospel every single day of our life. There's a book written by this guy called Milton. He says even Christians, we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. And so this morning as we turn to Ephesians chapter 2, if you have your Bible, whether the physical hard copy one or the digital one, keep it open. And as we turn to God's word, let us turn to him in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, we're just so grateful to you that you are the one who initiated the salvation of each one of us. You are the one who called us out of darkness. You're the one who called us your children. You're the one who gave us the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, as we turn to your word, we turn to you in expectation, in anticipation for you to speak to us, for you to minister to each one of us. We commend ourselves to you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First of all, we need to say that the gospel is the power of God. And so here in Ephesians, we see Paul says, As for you, you were dead. Dead in your transgression. In fact, he uses the word dead twice. In verse 4, again, or verse 5, he says, Made us alive even when we were dead in transgression. A very basic question. What's the difference between a dead person and a live person? A dead person can't do anything. A dead person can't move, can't eat, can't walk, can't talk, can't breathe. But a person who is alive can do all of that. And so spiritually, when Paul says dead in transgression, meaning that person, rather all of us, in the past, he says here we used to live when we followed the ways of this world and then the ruler of the kingdom in the air. And that's Satan. As sinners, as people under bondage, we are slaves to sin. And so even Jesus Christ in John chapter 8, verse 34 says, Truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Of course, we all know, we read about it, what are slaves or who are slaves. Slaves have no choice. Slaves have no freedom to choose. Slaves can't make decisions for themselves. You just have to do what your master asks you to do. And so being a slave to sin is the same. And so earlier on, as I mentioned, Paul says we live by the ways of the world. We are under control of the evil one. And even Paul himself says, I don't do what I want to do or I need to do. But the things that I do are things that I don't want to do. The bondage of sin, that you just have to do what your flesh tells you or what the evil desires lead you to do. Now, as human beings, what's the basic nature of humans? Those of us who know Mandarin would know that the, the Mandarin uh, uh, poetry, I think Sun Tzu-Ting, would say by nature... The human race is good. Is that true? The Bible tells us the basic nature of the human race is wicked. 
you all, all that you need to do is to give one toy to two children, regardless of their age. Will they share? Or even right now as adults, you just need to poke the person next to you. Just give him or her a poke and you see the response. All of us, as uh, Pastor Vincent reminded us now, the new SOP uh, is going to take place next Sunday. No more pre-registration, but you are still required to scan your Mysajatra and the mask. And we do that everywhere now we go. Are we really wanting to do that? Or we do that because we don't want to pay a thousand dollars for a cup of coffee. We all stop at the traffic light. Do you think we really want to if we're given a choice? Or is it because we're worried of the policeman? And so when Paul says by nature we are disobedient, and that's what we are, the human nature, and so we are slaves to sin, as Jesus says here. But the gospel is the power of God for salvation. Oftentimes when we think about the power of God, we think of, you know, like storms and, and waves and then even volcano and miraculous healing. That's God's power manifested. But Paul says the power of God is the gospel. And so what can this power do? Of course, this power then can set us free. Many of us have experienced that, the chains, the bondage, that is with us, has been broken. Some of you may have joined the Chinese New Year First Day uh, Mandarin service where Reverend Gabriel preached about New New Year, New Hope. That all of us, when we are in Christ, we are a new creation. And sometimes we use the analogy of the caterpillar becoming the butterfly. It's a very good analogy. But then, when we think about new creation, it is not the physical from physical appearance that we are changed. Instead, it's the bondage that is broken. That from now on, you and I have the power of God with us. When you feel powerless, when you feel being tempted or succumbing to your, your fleshly desires. Preach the gospel to yourself. Remind yourself that the gospel is God's power at work in your life. A very good example, again, is the Chinese New Year. The, most of us here may be English educated, so, but we know that from young, our parents would tell us there are certain things that you cannot do during Chinese New Year. Remember, you can't sweep the house, you better don't break anything, and you better wear colorful clothes, not black ones. You can't do this, you can't do that, and if you do, there'll be bad luck. Or there are certain things that we need to do in order to bring in good luck. Oranges, pomelo, fish, nian gao, and all these things. If not, the bad luck will come. But then as Christians, 
We're set free from all these bondages and the fear of bad luck. All that happens in our lives, God is sovereign. Good or bad. And of course, we know that all things work for good for those who love the Lord. So even a bad incident can be turned into something that God can use to bless us. And so we're set free from that kind of bondage of superstition. But friends, when we think of the power that is, that is from God in the gospel, then you and I need to make sure that we remember that every single day. And so the first thing when we talk about empowering the church, empowering Christians, I love it when uh, Pastor Vincent prayed that FMC, we're praying that FMC would be a living, vibrant church. And in order for that, you and I need to be alive in our faith, in our daily lives. And so first of all, we need the power of God to make us alive, the power of God that is in the gospel. And so every single day, we need to remind ourselves of the gospel, of the power of God that has broken bondages that we're no longer dead, we've been made alive. The second point, of course, is the gospel is the love of God. No doubt about that, isn't it? That in um, verse 4, Paul says, But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive in Christ. Can you think of other words that mean the same as great, enormous, large? The original Greek word can mean plentiful, as in the harvest is plentiful. It can also mean a multitude, as a vision of John in Revelation, that he saw the multitude of people of all nations, all tongues, worshipping God, multitude. And so when we talk about the enormous, multitude, plentiful love of God, how else can you describe it? We remember Tim Hughes' song, Here I Am to Worship, and he described about the centrality of our worship should be Jesus Christ. And in the bridge he says, I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon the cross. How much does God love us? We can try to describe it. But it will be so hard, isn't it? And so I've always think of this example. If I asked you a question, name 10 people that you love. Don't put God or Jesus, I know that. All right. Don't put someone who has passed on, whether our parents or someone who has passed on. Don't put stars, movie stars or character. Uh, you like Donald Duck, you love Donald Duck. No. Think now of 10 persons in your life right now that you love. One, two, three, very easy. And then go on, go on, mentally think about who do you love? 10 persons that you love. Can you name them?
Okay? Next. Name five persons you know who love you. Again, don't include God. Don't include those who are no longer living. Alright? Include those who are in your life. And if you have any doubt, exclude them. You must only name those you are sure you love. Okay? It can be your spouses if you have doubt. Okay, sorry, exclude. Five persons that you sure, you are very sure who loves you. Done? Not so easy, right? One, two, three, okay. Again, four, five. We're not so sure. And then, the next question. If I asked you of the ten people that you love, if the day should come, God forbid, no? but if the day should come, that you need to exchange your life for their life. Whatever situation, okay? We don't talk about the situation, whether it's donating an organ or whether the kidnapper wants an exchange of people, whatever. The 10 people that you love, are you willing to give your life for their life, for his or her life? Answer will be yes, very easy. Right? Parents giving your life for your children, children giving your lives for your parents, okay? Spouses, okay? Alright, we will say that. Next question. Of the five people whom you said love you, will they give their life for you? Some of you are shaking your head. I always think of the American president, right? They have, he has the secret service around them and they're supposed to take the bullet for the president, somebody's shooting, they will use their body to protect the president, take a bullet. The five persons whom you say love you, will they take a bullet for you? We may have doubts, isn't it? But then when it comes to God's love, will God take a bullet for you? Actually, he has already done that, isn't it? He has already given his life for your life and my life. And there is no doubt about it. We may have doubts, okay, whether I would give my life for that person. I may have things that I need to consider and whether that person would do the same for me. Again, I may have doubt. But friends, when it comes to God's love, there is absolutely no doubt how much he loves you and I. And so as we go through the journey of life, there will be times when we doubt whether the people around us love us <laughs> or when we doubt whether we really, really love this disobedient child, this difficult parent, this demanding pastor. We may have our doubts. And on those days and those times, we need to preach the gospel to ourselves and remind us of the love of God. The greatest commandment is to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. But it's very difficult, isn't it? It's easier said than done. We can memorize the verse. 
But to actually do it, it's very difficult. But then, friends, as we ourselves experience more and more of God's love, as we become more and more aware of how much He loves us, then we will become more and more aware of the need to love others. When we look at the people in our lives, we may want to question, why are they in my life, making my life difficult? But remember the sovereignty of God. It is God who put these people in your life. And yes, there may be times when you say that I can't love these people. Very true. We've got no more love or, or our love is limited. I remember the time when um, I was serving in a church where I really loved the people and they loved me. And a great time of ministry there. But all good things come to an end and so I was posted out of that church into a new church. And I remember very, very vividly in the new church, my first sermon I preached, I looked down, all strangers. And I went home and I cried and I told God, I can't love these people. I've got no more love left. My heart is there. All my love is there. It's not here. And the Lord reminded me, not your love, my love. God's love in us to be able to love His people. And so, yes, for us to be an empowered church, for us to be a living, vibrant church, my dear brothers and sisters, we need the love of God to make us alive, to love others, and to sense and to feel and experience His love for you and I. And like I said, there is no doubt how much God loves you. We may doubt the love of people in our lives, but there is absolutely no doubt how much God loves you and I. And finally, the gospel is the gift of God. Verse 8, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not of ourselves, but a gift of God. Many of us would have experienced buy one free one, buy two free one, all the free, free stuff. Have you ever been given a free stuff and you turn around and ask the shopkeeper, how much do I have to pay for this? The person will look at you and say, don't you understand the word free? But you see what's the problem here, the problem with all of us, is that when we have received the free gift of salvation, we turn to God and say, how much do I need to pay for this? We don't understand what is free gift, that it has been freely given to us. Paul again reminds us the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, it's a gift. And so if it is a gift, then what do we do? We just need to stretch out our hands and receive it. Salvation and faith are God's gift to you. Freely given to us, paid for already. Martin Luther, 
he was converted at age 21. And then he went into a monastery. He was a very, very good monk. He prayed daily. He fasted. He practiced deprivation, depriving himself of sleep, of food, enduring the cold without a blanket, hoping to gain acceptance. And so we all know the verse, just now I quoted Romans 1.16, that I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God. But verse 17 says, the righteous shall live by faith. And so Martin Luther said, I hated that word. I hated the word, the righteousness of God. Because he knows he's not righteous. He can never be righteous. So try as he did, trying to please God, trying to earn his salvation, trying to be righteous before God, and yet he failed. And so he said, if you want to measure the success of a monk, he is a very successful monk, doing all the necessary things. But if you want to measure the success of a Christian who has freely received the gift of God, he has failed. But thanks be to God, as he meditated on God's word, he realized that the righteousness of God is not to be earned but to be received. He says the righteous life by a gift of God, namely by faith. Then only he realized that the door of heaven has been opened to him and that he is righteous before God because of what Christ has done. And so for Martin Luther, with that, then he says the church is not an institution, but it's a community of faith. Salvation is not through baptism or sacraments, but by God's work in the life. Humility is no longer a virtue that is earned, but a response to God's gift of grace. And so, later, when we go through the communion ritual, my prayer is that we will always say, free us for joyful obedience. That God's free gift given to us, we no longer need to pay anything. All that we need to do is to just enjoy His love. Worship him, praise him. There's no need to look for ways to pay God. All of us have debts, don't we? Whether it's a housing loan, a car loan, a credit card, student loan, whatever loan we are trying to pay back. What if one day somebody comes and tells you all those loans, all those debts are paid for? We can't believe it. No la. What about this one? What about that one? What about that one? Cannot la. Maybe a few hundred dollars more that I need to pay. A few thousand dollars more I have to pay. And so we would be checking. And sadly, spiritually, that's us as well. 
the debt of sin has been paid for. But I'm still checking my bank statement and see if there's any more outstanding debt that I have not paid. My prayer is that to be empowered as a church, we need to know that the gift of God has been freely given to us to make us alive. And so, like I said, let's enjoy the gift of the Father, the gospel that God has given to us is his power that has set us free from all bondages and debts and transgression. The gospel is his love. No doubt about it, he loves us. We may be undeserving, or we are undeserving, but still he loved us. And then, it's a gift and so we receive the gift that he gives us so that then you and I can live a full and abundant life. And so friends, the power, the love, the gift of God, the gospel is yours. Take it. Enjoy it and enjoy the love of your Father. Let us pray. Father, again, we want to give thanks to you for your love for all of us. Help us, remind us, prompt us, speak to us that all our debts have been paid for and you have set us free. And so I pray, God, for myself and for my brothers and sisters here and all those who are joining us online to be reminded every day of the gospel, of the truth and validity of the gospel in our lives. We give thanks to you for this time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.